Welcome to Tenet Men. Welcome to Tenet Men. I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team, traveling forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team, traveling invertedly. (laughs) How are you, Kevin? I, I'm just as confused as ever. I, you can be on the blue team. <laughs> I, I think, think I went over my up. minute a couple times, and uh, I, I think I get it enough to talk about it. <laughs> you sign up. You signed up for a life of confusion and chaos, so that's what you get for being on the blue team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I keep questioning like how the recruitment works. Do you start? I think you have to start somebody out on the blue team, and then they graduate to the red team. Right? Think, no, 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 no. I think uh, you have to start on the red team, interfacing with blue team people, uh, and then and then if you're good enough, then you get promoted to. Wait, what did I say? Yeah, you get promoted to blue team, and then your hazard pay doubles. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's an incentive. It's incentivized. It's... I'm just thinking from my military experience. If there was like a shit job, <laughs> um, the newbies would be doing it. Like the, the new recruits would be doing it for sure. But if it's like harder and higher stakes, then then the specialized people do it, right? Like yeah. the seals or something. They, and they must get paid more money, right? Do they get paid more money? How does the military? How does the military incentivize people to do harder work? Uh, that's a great no it's it's base pay it's government work so it's based on rank um you do get hazard pay and um, deployment pay and certain other benefits for depending upon how long you've been away from home or or whether you're um, in the continental united states or out but it's all the same for all branches for all service members based on your your so so if i may uh then you know on the red team you know you might be like a level five six seven special agent <laughs> but if you're on the blue team then you're like eight nine ten right um it's all level maybe. in the government right it's all yeah. it's all levels yeah i i guess so i i i'm trying to think of an equivalent if i could like a hazard pay equivalent I work in um, sales, so we would put a spiff <laughs> on this and say, "Hey, you want to be on the blue team? Well, we'll give you ten thousand dollars this quarter if you're successful in your mission." No, you don't get incentives like that in the government. <laughs> you know, I, I know all the ins and outs of the government. You, know, you nothing. Uh, we love we love like we love cash and sales. So it's just like, oh yeah, go go kill that whale, and we're gonna get you a boat. <laughs> I, okay, I think. Uh, are you confessing to a crime right now? <laughs> no, no. I mean, where, How did no. you get that yacht? <laughs> yeah, it says it says Vladimir on the back of it, but it's spray painted over with the word Steve. How did you get that yacht? <laughs> this is my this is my special my special yacht. I earned this yacht. Yeah. I don't want to talk about how it's I earned just... it, but I earned I earned this yacht. Where did you get this inverted gold bar? <laughs> Just, I thought I, I I almost dropped it on my foot, but then it hit it me in the head. Back in. 
Oh okay. man! All, All right. right, I think okay, we killed the banter on this one. That's that's <laughs> enough enough nonsense. Let's get yeah. into let's get into this movie. Yeah, Red yeah. Team. I am I am starting from this is episode twenty three, by the way. So uh, I'm covering minute twenty two twenty one seconds to twenty three twenty one seconds. We left off last week uh, harassing Sanjay, uh, which is fun. Sanjay is a good <laughs> character. I wish there was more Sanjay in this movie. Um, <laughs> But we finished it off with uh, Priya, uh, you know, like a like little twist in the scene. Priya is the person we're looking for. And Priya says to Sanjay, Sanjay, please make a drink for our guest, please. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's at 2221. So then uh, at 2226, we cut to the protagonist and Priya sitting on the on the deck super casually. They have like uh, they each have a glass of whiskey, it looks like. Uh, Priya is taking a sip from hers. The protagonist doesn't drink on the job. His is neatly on the table. <laughs> All work. Uh, yeah, All business. Yeah. Yeah. All work, no play. Uh, Priya says, cheers. And then she introduces herself and says, Priya. And the protagonist, I like this. It's even in the subtitles. The protagonist says, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, at, at, did, in your first viewing, what point did you notice he doesn't have a name? I knew it before seeing the movie because I read about it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But I don't oh, know. Yeah, you you didn't see it until much later because the stupid yeah. pandemic release. I saw um, it much later. Yeah, I did see it yeah. much later. I would have. I don't know. I'm I'm sometimes not observant to the most things, right? I don't know that I would have picked up that he didn't have a name. That was a second viewing for me. You So you didn't know it until you saw it for a second time that this guy has no name. It like I might have like registered towards the end when he calls himself the protagonist, which was like that's kind of like like hitting the that's audience ar- over the head. That's yeah. very arrogant of you. <laughs> very arrogant of you, sir. It, and it might have been on my rewatch, which was not too long after that I was like actively more engaged and looking for like, wait, <laughs> what did this all mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that was one of the things. And I think I Early on in my second viewing is when I was like, oh, nobody ever calls him by name. Okay. Okay. There's actually, there's a little bit to this uh, coming up in my minute too, by okay. the way, around protagonist. But anyway, so protagonist says, hmm, okay, Priya. He doesn't say that. Uh, and then he says, this is your operation uh, to Priya. And Priya responds with, a masculine front and a man's world has its uses. The dealer you're looking for is Andre Sador. The rush. Okay, the, yeah. Andre Sater. So this is the first time we get uh, introduced to the the concept of Andre Sater. And uh, the protagonist already knows who it is. He says, mm-hmm. the Russian oligarch. Priya says, you know him? And the protagonist responds, not personally, made his billions in gas, moved to London, said to be on the outs with Moscow. And she says, very good. This is kind of interesting. Within a matter of like six seconds, we actually get a little bit of background on our soon-to-be antagonist of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Very prescient, well, making him a Russian oligarch. <laughs> uh, yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. And now, yeah, now <laughs> in our in our current state of the world, right? <laughs> uh, I bet the U.S. has seized his assets too. Um, <laughs> so. And yeah, then she responds with, so she says, very good. And then she says, except the gas he made billions from was actually plutonium. Uh, and then the protagonist responds, none of which explains how or why you sold him inverted munitions. 
She says, when I sold him the rounds, they were perfectly ordinary. I love that line. <laughs> okay, so it's ordinary is her turn for it. <laughs> uh, we're calling them, it's normie. It's normie ammunition. <laughs> normie munitions. Um, I think that's disrespectful to inverted rounds. I mean, they're still... Don't get all PC. <laughs> don't get all PC on me. <laughs> don't get all PC. They're normie munitions. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, and normie is even more derogatory, but okay, continue. <laughs> uh, when I sold him the rounds, they were perfectly right. ordinary, which is also pretty interesting because now she's saying she sold him the rounds, right? But like, she, we talked about this a couple episodes back, right? Like, if you if you are the like the CEO and CEO's wife of a multinational munitions manufacturer you're not directly selling your munitions to end users you're selling them to dealers who might sell them to end users so Seder is not buying munitions directly from priya and sanjay right i i I imagine there's somebody more local who can sell him like the most ubiquitous type of bullet in the world Uh, (laughs) i work in sales i know how this goes she's not selling direct she's not selling bullets directly to Seder. that's not how this works and Seder's, Seder's not buying bullets on the on the uh you know on the regular anyway right like he's got some like back end or like some back room deals going on to get his weaponry he's not buying them directly from the manufacturer and the inverted round he's speaking of was a round that saved his life by a person he is has no idea who it is it there's a lot of leaps in logics you just have to kind of ignore right like because he just assumes that was a satyr man who used that round to save his life for some unknown reason. Again, because we, yeah, it's not like he saw invert anybody else, the driver or anybody else using inverted ammunition. It was just one time, one guy. We are, we are suspending belief. Yeah. uh, Because as every week we point out, there are a lot of plot holes and just too many coincidences to be, to be true. Uh, Anyway. So yeah. When I sold him the rounds, they were perfectly ordinary. So how did he get them inverted? (laughs) Uh, Is what the protagonist says. We believe he's functioning as some sort of broker between our time and the future. Uh, And this this really gets the protagonist's interest. He sits up in his chair all serious. He can communicate with the future? (laughs) (laughs) Um, She responds, we all do, don't we? Emails, credit cards, texts, anything that goes into the record speaks directly to the future. The question is, can the future speak back? Oh, this is getting good. Um, Priya stands up and she walks towards the ledge. The protagonist gets up and follows. uh, And he says, and I'm supposed to find out. And then last line of my minute, Priya says, to get anywhere near Seder would take a fresh-faced protagonist. Oh. Boom. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Come on. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I have, my last three minutes have just lined up so well. Um, and to end my minute at that line is just, it's perfect. Couldn't yeah. ask for a better, a better ending there. Who is, so we have our fresh-faced fresh protagonist. Face. This is, He gets named here, basically. This is where he gets named. Yeah, that's and, true. And in you know, and, and we know at the end of the movie, he throws it back in her face. I'm the protagonist. <laughs> yeah. She, she made she, him and he kills her. It's and he adorable. Kills her. But either that or she was gonna have to she was gonna kill him eventually, right? Tie up loose ends, Tie sure. Up loose ends so she can continue find another 
because she's even she's using him as a pawn to go to Seder, right? Yes, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Um, because in, she's getting this. She's like, oh, I could use you to get to him because I think he has a turnstile. That's what this is all about. What he has? Mo- what is her motive though? Like, what is her motivation in all of this? He has access to the current turnstiles, the turnstiles that exist in their time that they're existing in. But like, and what like, does she want from them? We don't know. We actually don't know what her motivation is. I it, well, it's to keep. Uh, okay, if if you think about these turnstiles as like mining into the past, a human being cannot go into a turnstile unless they know there's a turnstile in the past that they can go have access to and return around and start coming back the other way. So the person in control of the furthest most turnstile is a very valuable person, right? I, I know what I see where you're going with this and it's actually a scary concept because what if you miss it? <laughs> I know exactly. Right. Um, what if you miss your time and you, you get there and the, the turnstile is not built? You it, it, Oh, it, it's just, just about forever. to be, yeah, it's just about to be finished. Oh yeah. I've gone too far. If you just go just past its invention right. or just past its completion date, um, you're, you're, you're gone. There's no coming back. So, and if you think about the person planning this, you, first of all, you need a turnstile to send stuff like gold or something back into the past with instructions to build the time machine further back in time. Um, and the movie does not do a good job of explaining this. <laughs> uh, this is all my interpretation of it. Um, that she wants access to that turnstile because she can use that turnstile to make more turnstiles further back in the past. Right. And, but there has to be a terminus point where the technology that exists in the past could no longer produce a turnstile, like right. Well, like someone you, someone could go back and do it, right? But then there's a race, right? Because you can only get to the past in real time, right? You're you yeah. You can't. This isn't your typical time travel. Like to go back into the past, you have to go back at a at a at a human time snail pace, right? So but, if you if you do get inverted and you start going backwards in time and you miss that point where the turnstile is created, no one can come back and save you because they also have to come back in real time. Mm, or maybe yeah. or, or or maybe not. I don't know. But like with Seder, they sent him back gold and instructions. So there was no human life attached to that. So you can do stuff like that. You can send information back with money to build a turnstile. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, but right, right. But he's collecting it in real time and he's not inverted. If he were inverted, he would never catch the gold. He would, no, no. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Hmm. You Wait, you could, but only if you put it back in place. No, no, no. Like, because if I'm moving backwards through time, and you're in the future, and you send something backwards in time for me to collect, I can't Oh, it will always be behind you. Right, because you're both moving at the same linear pace backwards in time. So it never catches up. You have to be moving. Wait, oh my God, we're in it now. Um, You have to be moving, you have to be a normie to collect something that's coming back from the future. But once I bury the gold, isn't it there forever in the past? I don't know. 
That's a crazy. We're getting into the bootstrap paradox, I think. Where maybe, <laughs> right? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, like if you send the instructions for a time machine back in time, which is the whole point of this movie. If if you send if you send an invention back in time, it can never actually be invented. How did we get on this uh, topic? We're trying to figure out what Priya is up to, and I we still. Oh, don't know. I don't think I don't think there's an answer to that, right? I mean, and maybe it's to prevent the quote unquote World War Three, but then it's like, well, how did she get introduced, and like, why is she involved? There's actually a lot of questions around Priya and Sanjay that I think are unanswered by this movie. But she's there, like she's she is plot armor, right? We need her in this movie to to give the protagonist his mission, uh, but I don't think she necessarily has the right motivations or the clearly defined the, motivations as to why she's here in the first place. She might not even fully get the whole picture. She might've been, she has some, she, I mean like she doesn't do anything unless there's some kind of motivation. So uh, yeah. my question to you, dear viewers is what do you think Priya's motivation is <laughs> <laughs> Write to us at tenant men or find us on, on Reddit. Uh, or leave I, us oh, yeah. this is it. This is it. I got it. This is it. Priya. Priya could be the protagonist, but she lacks faith in herself. That's oh, why she gives in. She sees this fresh faced protagonist, puts him on the mission um, and sends him out into the world to do Tenet's mission. Because she does not have the faith to see it to the end. And that's why she also has to die. Like you said, plot armor, which is really just divine blessing um, in, a, in a story. You see, do you see what I'm doing here? No, I thought um, you were. I I'm thought your arm was going limp or something. Uh, I'm, I'm, reach, I'm reaching. I'm reaching, Kevin. <laughs> that's what it feels like. I think you're reaching. I don't know about that. I, I don't think she, I think they, the, her and the protagonist have the same goal to further tenants business, whatever it is, <laughs> to, to, to just prevent World War Three or whatever. But she does not have the devotion that is necessary to complete the mission. She passes on to the next champion who appears on her, uh, on her patio, which is the protagonist. And but he sees why... it to, and he sees it to the finish line. Mm. Okay. Maybe. Maybe, <laughs> but then why why be involved at all? Why just why not just be like ah never mind? I don't know anything about this. Please don't kill my husband, <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe kill my husband. I don't care. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's there's a backstory there we don't get. I mean, right? Yeah, right. maybe she's a. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I'm so confused. I'm starting to think like, where do I have to start in my minute? Yeah, please, I think <laughs> we we, uh, we gotta switch gears. Okay. We're running long on my minute, so it's time for blue team to commence. These heavily dialogue ones actually have more um, interesting stuff going on sometimes. They definitely Not do, right? Especially like these early dialogue minutes, because this is all like this is still set up. We're really just setting up the plot to this movie. Mm -hmm. The most confusing plot ever. Um, here we go. Where are you? Blue team. Okay. My, my man starts with Neil in his shipping container uh, arriving 
Okay, they're about to arrive. What's the minute marker? Do you have the minute marker? Great question. Well, it's okay. It starts at two hours, one minute, and 21 um, um, seconds. We do get a little bit in the 21-second mark of the red team um, infiltrating. And this is the confusing part of this. This is the very beginning of the Stalask scene. So red team just landed. um, And I believe red team, or the protagonist looks over, and he sees blue team... um, coming in backwards and they're all limping backwards, uh, you know, uh, which is confusing. Cause then we cut to Neil who's infiltrating, um, which means if he had stayed on the blue team the whole way through, he would just be getting onto the chopper when the red team looks over. And now we see uh, basically the blue team landing, which is actually 10 minutes in the future from the protagonist. That's why this whole style scene is so confusing. Mission, we keep, we keep over. Back. Yeah. We keep looking back and forth between Neil and, I don't think the audience fully understands these are not happening concurrent. <laughs> I certainly didn't the first time I watched this. I still don't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Neil isn't even over there on that chopper that the protagonist looks at. Whatever. He's, but our Neil is incoming. So let's stick with him because the camera's inverted when we see him. So everything looks normal to us. Um, and then uh, Wheeler is looking out a porthole in the shipping container which is interesting because they couldn't invert the choppers. (laughs) So the choppers are going normal, but they're carrying um, shipping containers full of blue team inverted soldiers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's how they had to do it. I guess they can't put a Chinook through a, uh, (laughs) a turnstile, be a hell of a turnstile. Um, Okay. So she says, we're coming in on a shockwave. Hang on. And I never realized this. That is the bomb going off. Oh, yeah. Good call. Uh, yeah, I just I because you see it in the beginning. So it's like, oh, you don't realize that's how it all ends. And it actually uh, in the script, it says that when Neil lands, he sees um, uh, some blue team member setting up the truck, you know, with the rope and everything. Um, you know, there's a Smashing Pumpkin song called "The End Is the Beginning Is the End." Just, just, just hit me because I think that would have been that that song was used in the trailer for Watchmen. But uh, now that I think about it, it should have been used for the trailer for Tenant. Anyway, isn't there a door song? Is that a door song? This, oh, this is the end. Is a door song, right? From Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, not that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was gonna say, so, yeah. It sounds like some like some guy who's high in a dorm room goes, "Hey, man." The end is also like the beginning, man. <laughs> it's also the end. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. That is the most stoner title ever. <laughs> yeah. One other thing I did want to point out is, uh, in you know, in your last you know ten episodes since you've been covering this battle scene, which has basically been the first twenty or the the last twenty two episodes, right? Yeah. Um, you reference Wheeler a lot. In every single minute in this battle and scene. She's the most interesting character I never knew was in the movie. <laughs> no, the thing, like, I never like she is like she is a forgotten thought the first ten times you see this movie, right? Uh I never, never knew she had a name. No, no, I didn't like or like really played an important role. I'm still not really convinced she plays an important role, but you talk about her a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, she's in the movie a lot, but she's faceless because she's got the mask on. You could just barely tell it's a female voice. Um, but without the subtitles on, you have no idea what she's saying or what anybody's saying to her. Right. 
Anyway, I just needed <laughs> yeah. to point that. I just needed to point that out. Who? Okay. Could well, I'm speaking. Could you? Let's figure out what actress played Wheeler. <laughs> could you do that for? Me? I could do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. So everybody grabs their uh, holds on. The shockwave hits the Chinook in reverse, I guess, and um, uh, it shudders. And then they start coming in for a landing in the as the explosion starts unexploding, like all the uh, stuff starts going in. Um, uh, let's see. As the blue team exfills, um, just like the red team did. I think I'll see that in my next minute, but. Uh, Neil looks over and sees Red Team hobbling into their Chinooks, uh, exfilling as they're infiltrating. Um, in the script, it says, there he turns to see a gray truck reversing towards the hole, tires sucking up dust, and a rope from its rear hitch taut into the hole. Um, and then he's snapped back to reality. We do not see that in the movie. I, I think that would help explain a little bit <laughs> in a rewatch, but... I think it would have been too confusing on first viewing. Um, it's Fiona yeah. Dorif is Wheeler. Fiona, Fiona Dorif. Okay. I don't even know if we see her face ever. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures of her and she's unrecognizable, but she's also, she's in the movie earlier than this. She's at the, um, uh, we're getting ahead, but I'm just going to spoil it. Oh, okay. Is she the one that gives like, here's a gas mask. This is what you need to know. Yeah. I can't speak to the, like she's telling, cause the protagonist is like, can I drive a car? I can't vouch for the handling friction and wind resistance are reverse. You are inverted. The world is not. That's her. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're getting ahead or behind. Yeah. What um, a thankless role though. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Fiona, good old Fiona. Okay. Well, actually, I'm realizing I actually don't have much um, okay. uh, be because then after that, uh, a couple of basically bullets was by um, the blue team. They start taking up a defensive posture at the top. I guess what they're doing is covering for the um, the red team's uh, exfiltration, which is the same thing the red team was doing for the blue team. We will see with the protagonist. So they cover for each other because if you think about it, they're fresh troops who just showed up to the battlefield. They're covering for the exhausted troops, the wounded ones getting loaded on and vice versa. So it's a temporal pincery uh, infill exfil uh, maneuver going on. Uh, then we jump uh, over to uh, uh, Vietnam and we have Cat um, being... Um, She's on the ship. A crew member says, uh, ma'am, what are you doing here? I thought you'd gone ashore. And Kat says, I snuck back to surprise Andre. The crew member says, the boss left. And, and then she, uh, here's the chopper, looks over, you know, signals, nope, here he comes. Uh, and then she says, I'll clean up the mess. Uh, uh, and don't tell the other crew members. So don't tell anybody I'm here information. So don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how well a, uh, <laughs> a member of the crew is going to keep that secret that both their bosses are upstairs. Right. <laughs> after a, an after a very titillating argument where they both threw stuff at each other and <laughs> said terrible things to each other. Got a, the mission is knowledge divided, right? So yeah. she's, I like that. She's, uh, she's sticking to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even though the right way to do it would just be to kill that person on site. 
yes. that's, how you, that's, how you, that's how you guarantee knowledge stays divided. I know because then they'd have a murder to cover up. Who cares? You're 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 gone by the time it gets found. Hmm. But unless she knows that that person survived, she can't kill anybody who she knows is alive in the future. That's true. What a weird world. No paradoxes here. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't create a paradox of your own making. Um, it has to be. Uh, which which means that like even Sater's crew has to be pretty disciplined when they pull off these maneuvers. Uh, yeah, well, they seem to be right. At least that's like kind of the impression I get uh, from other scenes, right? Like when they when he does collect the gold coming up in a future episode. Oh yeah, right. Like that crew seems to be, you know, they seem to work well, and they eliminate anyone who doesn't follow orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just following orders. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, like Seder, she can kill. Because there's another Seder in that timeline. He's not the original Seder from that timeline. So he's free to kill. But she can't kill this guy. I mean, I think she could. But I think hmm. she could. Right? Well, it would create a Neil, paradox. Neil, Neil is horribly inverted at the end. And he dies. Who yeah. knows? What version of Neil is that? Right? That's a... It's a version of Neil we don't see just prior to the events of him, right? We never see. I mean, him. we've there's like 19 Neils running around at any given time. <laughs> I think yeah. we've, we've established it's, that. Yeah, because then you got to think, okay, there's also one over at the airport a, a week from the now. Opera house. Also, yeah, the, there's one in a shipping container going this way. There's one in a shipping container going back. There's one, you know. There needs to be a Neil spinoff. Uh, <laughs> and they need to have that Spider-Man moment where like all five of them point at each other. <laughs> I, I don't know if you ever watched it, but I used to be a early fan of the the Flash TV show. No, I didn't watch it. My kids liked it and I used to watch it with them. And there's like the whole point of like the Flash's backstory is his his mother is killed by a, a speedster, right? Mm. And every like season finale, I swear, for the first three seasons, he goes back to that moment <laughs> to the point where in like season three, they're like tripping over each other. They're like, <laughs> they're like one's in a closet, one's fighting the villain, the other one is like there to do some other thing. It's just like, <laughs> it's like they're all back in this. There's too many of them in this house right now. <laughs> I was like, I are they just gonna keep doing this? <laughs> That's hilarious. But that could yeah. be that could be the Neil spinoff. I want it to mm -hmm. be like like uh you know like three of them have to get an apartment together and just like kind of see how they coexist that would be like they're, they're... <laughs> <laughs> oh they oh, imagine if they're all on the same dock one day and they're all like okay we got to get back to vietnam at this time for this oh, only one shipping container all right here we have to live together for the next three weeks <laughs> that could be it like that's the whole movie that's the sequel <laughs> mm. actually there's a family guy episode like this too uh, with like Stewie and Brian traveling back in time, but then other versions of themselves also travel back to the same point in time so that they can fix what the other ones did. And then it just like keeps cascading oh, yeah. out of control. Oh, there's a, there's a Rick and Morty one too. Well, Rick and Morty, like, yeah. Rick and Morty loves stuff like this. Yes. The snake one where the snakes just keep coming back <laughs> to try and kill Hitler. It's like, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's basically the critique that all, was it the Orbitross or whatever? They're all time travel stories or, Snakes eating their own tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. On that note, uh, I um, think this yeah. show is eating its own tail. It kind of, yeah. 
we got to find new stuff to talk about. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the Tenant Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, review this show on whatever service you found us on. Uh, rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of the film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friend. At the beginning, at the end of the beginning. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs>